Today's message was recorded live at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church of Louisville, Kentucky, a safe environment where people relationships become kingdom relationships. Find us online at www.friendlychurch.com. Again, happy Sabbath and welcome to the international service at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church here in Louisville, Kentucky, this spring of 2021. I believe we're all heading to the same destination. At least those of us here. And I believe that will be our ultimate destination. I want to use your imagination for just a moment. Imagine you're part of a NASA team preparing for a five-year mission to Mars. And you hear this in the news, they're talking about this. Imagine you're part of that team and after a period of extensive training, the launch date finally arrives. And as the rocket lifts up, one of your fellow astronauts asked, Hey, what do you know about Mars? And you look as if surprised at the question and say, Well, nothing. We never talked about it. I guess we'll find out when we get there. It's unthinkable, right? It's inconceivable that your training wouldn't have included extensive study of and preparation for your ultimate destination. Yet in seminaries, Bible schools, churches around the world, there is very little teaching about our ultimate destination, the new heaven and new earth. That's what I want to talk about today. Who is going to be there? How do we get there? What do you know about heaven? Let us pray one more time. Lord, we, we come into your presence and we want open your word, your entire word, to speak to us about our ultimate destination. I hope and I pray that everyone here will get excited of what you have in store when we're going to get there. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, A variety of uh, people were interviewed and asked, what do you think heaven is like? And a teenager answered, heaven, man? That's pie in the sky, out there somewhere. Unreal, man. I can't fathom it. A woman, middle-aged woman, grocery shopping. What do you think heaven is like for you, ma'am? Heaven is a state of mind. It's an inner peace. It is a state of calm. Well, a successful businessman was asked, What do you think heaven is like for you, man? Heaven is my house. It's worth five million. My chariot is my car, and the angels are my kids. 
college student was asked, what do you think heaven is like for you? Heaven is, hmm, oh, are you out of your mind? You still believe in those fairy tales? An elderly couple was asked, what do you think heaven is like for you? We hope, they say, heaven is a real place. The older we get, the more we long for it. We just hope that what we were taught in our childhood is true. Different people, different answers. So many people confused regarding heaven. What is heaven really like? Where can we find information about heaven? Why there is so much confusion about heaven? Where can we find the key that unlock the mysteries of heaven? Well, we know exactly where to find the answer to that question. I have one right here on the front pew. You have it in your pews. You should have it in your homes, on your phones, everywhere, right? Praise the Lord, we're free to study. The answer is in the Holy Bible, the Word of God. In Revelation 21, verse 1, John the Revelator says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. All the prophets from Genesis to Revelation pointed their readers forward to new heavens and new earth. These prophets pointed forward to a new world, a world with clean air and clean water. No more worries about air quality. A world free from war and crime and violence. No more worries about terrorists. A world filled with love and joy and peace. The Bible talks about a new heaven and new earth. It talks about the Garden of Eden restored. Eden made new. Think about with me for a moment. What was Eden like? Clear lakes? Pure air? Bright sunshine, cloudless days? The fruit trees? Wow! The trees produced lush, delicious fruits. Flowers perfumed the air. Not sure if you experience this, but you know, sometimes when I go to mall, I walk through it and I go through, I think it's called, I need, I, I, I don't want to misspell this, Sephora, because I'm not familiar with that, but I like the smell. Man, yeah, when you walk through that store, whoo, wow. Yeah, that's a lady's store, <laughs> by the way. The birds. And the animals 
did not run in fear at the coming of Eve and Adam. They flocked to them. There was love and joy and companionship. There was no taint of sickness and suffering or disease. The Bible says, though, that an intruder, an intruder came to that perfect garden. He suggested to Eve that sin would bring her greater happiness than obedience. He still does it these days. He suggested that disobedience would bring her greater freedom. And Eve fell for that lie. Adam followed her lead and our planet was plunged into rebellion. And the sad drama of sin brought sickness, suffering, heartache, death to our world. We know our world, right? That's what we live in. My friend, in every generation since Adam, the heart of humanity longed for the Eden life to return to where it used to be, to live in a new world free from pain and suffering on this planet. Since Adam and Eve, throughout centuries, there were people who held fast to God. They looked beyond what is to what it will be. They looked beyond time. They looked to eternity. These faithful people focused their eyes on another country, another land, another kingdom, if you will. They believed that this earth was not their home. They believed that there is something better than sickness and suffering and heartache and death and disease. One of those men was Abraham. Abraham's vision was fixed on eternity. Abraham focused his mind not on the things of time, of temporal things, but of things of eternity, on eternal things. He dreamed of what would be. We have this declaration about his faith and peoples with faith like him, and that's recorded in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Speaking of Abraham, Hebrews 11 verse 10 says, For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. My friend, Abraham looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. The royal line of faith continues with Moses. Moses was a captive slave in the land of Pharaoh in Egypt. Moses was destined to rule on the throne of Egypt. That was a big deal back then. Moses was destined to be a Pharaoh of Egypt. But the Bible says, a few verses down, Hebrews 11, verses 24 and 26, by faith... Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Sin 
has pleasure, but it's temporary. It is short-lived. It leaves people broken, bruised, and battered. Moses did not want to enjoy the pleasures of steam, esteeming that the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Speaking of all these men and women of faith, God says in verse 13 and 14, These all died in faith, not having released the, received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. Although the promise were far off, we, like these men, we can embrace the promise. We can cherish it. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. Hebrews 11 verse 16, but now they desire a better that is a heavenly country. Now, don't take me wrong. I love our country, the United States of America. I remember one of the conference pastors from Romania came as a delegate to the 1985 general conference session, who was in Indianapolis in 1985. Um, when he returned back to Romania, <clears throat> he said this. I heard him with my own ears. And those of you who, well, I'm not going to mention his name, those of you who are Romanians because you know him. But uh, he said this. If heaven is like the USA, I would be glad and satisfied. I've lived in this blessed, beautiful USA for 28 years. Many of you here were born here. Many of you here were not born here in the US and made a lot of efforts and spent a lot of energy and resources to get here. But I think we all can agree that there is something better for us. There must be something better. My friends, there is something beyond this earthly land. We are strangers. We're pilgrims here on earth. There is something beyond all this. There is something which gives us hope and confidence. Heaven is on its way. Hebrews 11 verse 16 says, Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. That is true, my friend. Jesus indeed has prepared a place for us. It is beyond our wildest imagination. Heaven is a real place, not some make-believe world. <clears throat> and as Apostle Paul writes, it is beyond our wildest imagination. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 
Paul is quoting, quoting Isaiah, he says, But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart, into the mind of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Can you imagine the greatest joy we have on earth? Guess what? Heaven's joy is greater than that. Imagine your heart and mind at peace and rest. Heaven's calm has greater peace and rest. Imagine the most beautiful, the most wonderful fellowship, the most open and sharing and most honest communication with friends. God's communication in heaven with us and with those who we, which we love, that fellowship is closer and more intimate. Have you ever wondered about heaven? What will be our physical condition? Some people have the idea that the saved are just spirits. Spirit beings. We're kind of like a cosmic vapor, if you will. <clears throat> Let's see what the Bible says. Philippians 3, verse 20 and 21. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that may be conformed to his glorious body. Take a look at that verse, the last line right there. <clears throat> Question, when Jesus was resurrected, did he have a body? What kind of body was it? It was a glorious, resurrected, immortal body. Jesus ate in his resurrected body, didn't he? There are a number of experiences that Jesus had after his resurrection that revealed that he had a real, recognizable body. When Jesus met his disciples on the road to Emmaus, the Bible says that Jesus kept them from recognizing him at that moment as they were walking because they wanted, he wanted to teach them a lesson. But the Bible tells us, if you read the Bible, the story that when he broke the bread, their eyes were open. They recognized Jesus by his unique mannerisms. We all have the way we do things. The way we move our hands and body and, and face and, and eyes. And <clears throat> On the resurrection morning... Through the mist of the morning, Mary could not see Jesus clearly. But she recognized Jesus when he called her name. She recognized his voice. Your loved one will recognize you by the color, the tone, the intonation of your voice in heaven. When Jesus appeared to his disciples in the upper room, they recognized him immediately. They knew his physical form. Your friends will recognize you by your 
physical appearance in heaven. <clears throat> in the new heavens and the new earth, my friends, God will give you, will give us a glorious immortal body and you will have a similar personality to the one you have right now. And you may say, whoa, Pastor Myers, I thought I, 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 don't, like my, I don't like me. <laughs> well, let me, let, let me tell you this. Wouldn't it be strange if Jesus paid the infinite price to die for you, for you, the way you are, the way he created you, and then change your personality? No. God came, Jesus came to save you the way you are with your personality. In heaven, my friends, we will recognize one another by our unique mannerisms, voice intonations, individual personalities. Will we have accents in heaven? I don't know about that. I hope I won't. I don't know. <laughs> but there will be no taint of sin or disease afflicting you. My friends, in heaven there is joy and happiness everywhere. Revelation 21 verse 4, <clears throat> John the Revelator said, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. Death, sorrow, crying, pain. Sounds like ER to me. Sounds like hospital. Sounds like end of life. Sounds like crisis. All of those will be forever gone. No more COVID or anything that could harm us. No, they're finished. There's a new heaven and a new earth awaiting for you. Revelation 21 verse 22 verse 1, John writes, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. The water of life represents the life of God that satisfies every need. Just like water, just like nothing quenches your thirst like water, nothing quenches the inner need for God like God himself. In the middle of its streets, John goes on to describe seven here. In the middle of its streets and on the other side of the river was the tree of life which bore Twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. Wow! You get fresh fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. As we eat from that tree of life, we will be fully, completely made whole. Every aspect of our mental faculties that were affected by our dysfunctional world, all of that will be healed by God. All the love we fail to receive now, we will receive then. My friends, 
we will be loved by God. We will be cherished by God. We will be embraced by God. We will be satisfied by God. God himself will hold us close. What better hope than our creator to hold and embrace us and love us. The water of life, the tree of life will satisfy our deepest needs. We'll have everything, complete healing, complete restoration. Isaiah, oh, I love this verse. I love this promise. Isaiah 50, Isaiah 11, verse 9. There shall not, they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mount. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. My friends, violence is gone. War is gone. Conflict is over. No more shootings at Kroger. No more strife between nations. No more hatred between races. Every threat of war gone. The Bible says they shall not hurt or destroy. Put down those weapons of war. Every threat of war put down. Peace will fill the earth. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord. And my friends, I want you to know that this heaven is a real place. There will be real activities in heaven. Songs of praise and gladness will cover the earth. Isaiah 65, 17 says, For behold, I create new heavens and new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. Well, I'm glad that there are some things about this life that we'll never remember, right? God gives us amnesia for evil, if you will. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Amnesia for wickedness. Amnesia for sorrow. Amnesia for disappointment. Because heaven is a place of joyous memories. <clears throat> Verses 21 and 22 of the same chapter. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. Think of it for, for a moment with me here. The best architects of all times will be there. They will draw the plans for your dream home at no charge. Wow. And all of the most outstanding building materials in the universe, in the whole universe, will be at your disposal. Angel will even, angels will even help build your house if you want them to. Think about it. What a place. Heaven. Our ultimate destination. What about fellowship and friends? Um, how would heaven be without my friends, right? With our friends. Heaven would be boring if I had that wonderful house and nobody to share with, right? Matthew 8 verse 11 says, I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, 
Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Wow. This is none other than Jesus speaking here, my friends. Wow, look at this. He says that we're going to sit down with the greatest spiritual minds of all times? Can you believe the Bible characters that we, we only read about will be there? Can you imagine? Well, imagine this. I'm just imagining now. I'm in heaven working in my garden one day, and I see a man walking down the street, and I look, and I say, hey, that looks like, uh, is that? Could it be? Hey, Adam, is that you? Yes, I am Adam. I've been admiring your garden here. And Adam's looked at my strawberries and says, I've been admiring your strawberries. Adam comes over and we sit down and we talk about life and share the joys of Jesus together. And then one day I meet, well, this was Adam. Then one day I meet Moses. Moses, who received the Ten Commandments written by the very hand of God. And Moses and I talk about it, about how was it like to go through the Red Sea. The faith that it took to step into that water. And we talk about what it was like to lead the children of Israel 40 years in the wilderness. Not a 40-year-old term. But 40 years leading a rebellious people. How is it like? And I get to meet Daniel. Oh, I love Daniel. And he tells me about the lion's den experience. And I say, Daniel, were you afraid? And he says, nah, I trusted God. My friends, heaven is a place of fellowship. Fellowship with the angels, the cherubim and seraphim. Fellowship with the great minds of the Bible. It's a place to fellowship with Peter, James, John and Paul. But most of all, it is a place to fellowship with Jesus. Because one day you and I will meet Jesus face to face. One day we will meet this Jesus who died for us. This Jesus who had nails driven through his hands for us. One day we'll enter into that city and Jesus will be there to welcome us. In the book of Revelation, John is actually given a vision of the holy city coming down from heaven to planet earth. And John wrote this, then I, John saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, Revelation 21, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Revelation 21, verse 2. Who prepared this city? God prepared it. Why does the Bible say it's prepared as a bride adorned for her husband? Because God wants you to know that is preparing something for you that is absolutely fantastically beautiful. Because that's how we look at brides, right? 
more beautiful, more incredible, more marvelous than you can even imagine. And as the holy city descends to a remade, remodeled, renewed earth, it is the most exciting, most festive event in the history of universe. The Bible describes this holy city this way, Revelation 21, verse 14. Now, the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the land. Who were the 12 apostles? Thomas, who doubted. Peter, who denied Jesus. James and John, the sons of thunder, to shake things up. My friends, the disciples were common, ordinary men like you and me. They had their doubts. They had their fears. These disciples, fishermen, tax collector, common, ordinary laborers, they had their weaknesses just like you and me. These followers of Jesus were people with their faults, but their names are on the foundations of the, folly, of the holy city. Why? Because God is saying to us today, if they can make it, so can we. If they can go in, you and I can go in. Heaven is not a place for a few elite, super spiritual people. It is a place for common sinners who are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, by the blood of Jesus. This city, my friends, is four-sided. There are four sides. And on each side, there are three gates. Three on the north, three on the south, three on the east, and three on the west. Now think about this. Most cities in the ancient world, they had a few gates. One, possibly two. Because they did not be open. They want to keep the enemies out. Heaven's goal, on the other hand, is to get as many people in as possible. Heaven is a place prepared for you and me, my friends. The Bible says there are people coming from every walk of life and from every part of the world. If you decided you want to follow Jesus and become part of his kingdom, I want to invite you to stand with me today. Wherever you are, in the sanctuary, in the fellowship hall, in your living room or in your motel room, John says in Revelation 7, 9, After these I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before 
the throne and before the land. You are standing here. We have about 20, 27 nations, 28 nations. If God speaks to your heart, and if you want to join this crowd of believers here, you can pick up the Connect card and say, Pastor Marius, I want to join this crowd because I want to be part of the largest crowd in the universe one day. And if you're watching online, you can go to our website at thefriendlychurch.com and write me at pastor at friendlychurch.com and you, I'll help you become part of this crowd here at Middletown who is part of the largest crowd in the universe. See, in the New Testament, people come from the north, south, east, and west. Why are there three gates on each side? There is a symbol on, of the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We baptize people in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The Father says, come. The Son says, come. The Holy Spirit says, come this morning. God is saying that whoever you are, you can make it in through one of those gates. You don't have to be disappointed and stay outside. God is saying, I'm not going to build a city with walls. I'm going to build a city that has gates because gates is what let people in. And God says, I want you, I want as many people to get in, as many people as possible. The Father, your heavenly Father, wants you in the city. Would you come? The Son of God, Jesus, the one who suffered and died for you, He wants you in. And the Spirit, wow. The Holy Spirit who is working in your heart today. He wants you in this beautiful city and to be part of his largest crowd. Would you come? My friends, what Jesus promised will certainly come true. In his Father's house are many mansions. Jesus prepared a place for you. If you come to him today, respond to his invitation. Let me pray for you. Lord, we are here this morning with this little crowd here at Middletown and those who are watching online. Lord, you all see us standing as a symbol of becoming a part of that great largest crowd in the universe when they will be standing in front of the heavenly throne. We are here standing in front of you as a symbol of our submission and recognition and desire that we want to be part of your heavenly kingdom. Lord, we thank you for our decision today. 
And I pray that you will bless us that none of us watching this service today or any time will ever miss to be part of that crowd. We pray that you will bless us with your spirit. Bless and seal our commitment today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.